Welcome to the Artistic Finance Podcast, where we break down the wall between art and money. If you're here looking for how to be an artist and financially sustain a career, you're in the right place. Keep listening and join us as we learn about artists and how they make money work for them. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Ethan Steimel, here for episode 46. Today's episode is part of our Connecting Cultures series. We conduct this interview in English, and we follow it up with an interview in Spanish, which is our guest's first language. Our guest is magician Sonia Benito. Originating from Spain, Sonia is now based in London, bringing something new to the London magic scene. As a creative, she blurs the line between classic and modern magic techniques with unique movement patterns. Her clients include Nike, Samsung, and Rihanna. Check her out for a unique blend of magic and dance, including close-up magic, stage, film, TV performance, and movement-slash-magic choreography. Before we start, I want to give a special thank you to my Patreon patrons. Patrons get the shows early and with bonus content. If you want to support me and the show, do that at patreon.com slash artisticfinance. Links to everything we talk about are in the show notes and on our website, artisticfinance.com. Without further ado, let's get to our interview. Welcome, Sonia Benito, to the podcast. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) We are recording this on March 5th, 2021, so we're amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, and we're also amidst a Black Lives Matter slow burn in the United States, but also across the entire world. Mm -hmm. So, Sonia, how did you get into magic and dancing, and where are you now in your career? So I started dancing when I was six years old, and basically I started dancing ballet. My mom literally put me to dance because she liked she liked it. And also I was walking with one of my foot, like in just a little bit. So it's like, okay, we're going to correct that, you know. <laughs> and then I used to hate it. And then later on, I loved it. I finished, loved it. I don't know. It went to my mind. I was like, I want to I wanna dance. Like I want to do this professionally. When I was like 15, maybe 15, 16, I could I could travel to the cities around Spain and I could travel to, as well to Madrid. And I was taking workshops from people from America. So like a really good choreographer. So I discovered hip hop, like proper hip hop. <laughs> they used to call it street dance. And it, that wasn't even like nothing about to nothing about hip hop anyway. So yeah, when I, went to, when I was in Madrid, I, I met some people that that new London and all the opportunities. One of my friends told me, oh, you should go to London. And I was like, well, why not? In Madrid, I was living in a residency. So but the same amount of money that my parents were helping me, obviously, well, paying for that, for the residency, re, uh, residency? Yeah, to live there. So I'm like, I can spend that money living in London. So that's what I did. I just literally went for a week to London just to check how would it like how would it be like how the classes are just to make sure I like it and I loved it and I stayed there for 10 years <laughs> I moved when I was 19 I didn't speak any English at all so it was a challenge but again I think it's because I was so excited about learning how to dance so to be able to do anything I wanted it in just one city because when I'm from I'm from Palencia and it's a very small city it was just one school, one dance school, and that's where I was learning ballet through the Royal Academy of Dance. Even though like an English person was coming to 
to do the exams. And I was like, oh, wow, an English person. You could not see anyone in Palencia, like not, not English, nothing apart from Spanish people. Yeah. And in magic, in magic, I started when I was 14, 13. I went to the city next to mine, which is Valladolid. And they were running a magic convention every summer. So I saw Jorge Blas, which is a, like a very famous guy in in Spain, and he was doing a daft act. And I fell in love with it. I love animals. So I was like, oh, my God, I want to do that. I want to beat him. In there as well, it was like a few shops where I could buy some magic. And also my dad loves magic. He doesn't do any magic, but he loves it. He bought me like a few tricks. Come back home, practice it, blah, blah, blah. And in the school, they told me there was a teacher he was a magician, but he was retired. So they put me in contact with him and he was just teaching me a few stuff. He gave me his duff. I bought another duff as well. Basically, he passed away and they told me that he wanted me to have all his tricks. So I'm like, oh, that's the cutest thing. So that was very sweet from him. And since then, I started to put like um, a magic show together because like my friends were supporting me to be like, why don't you do some magic on the parties. So in, I don't know if you know, but in the village in Spain, they do like big parties. I was part of one of the acts in there. So I did uh, I did like my first show of an hour of magic and music together, more or less. How old were you when you inherited all that magic gear? I was 14. And then when you did this party, were you also 14? Yeah, like in 14, 15, probably. Yeah, everything was very young. Also because I had something together and also I could perform in my village and I did some performances as well in my college. I was the magician at college. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I think high school <laughs> yeah. or college, I don't know. Yeah, I went to like a talent act as well. I became finalist, I was super happy. So when I moved to London, I didn't show any magic at all to anyone. I was just like, I was very focused on my dance career. Like I had to take the entire time for that. And also the kind of magic I was doing, it wasn't close-up magic. It was more like stage magic. It was, to be honest, it was a very easy magic, like, you know. I knew some coin magic, which is just more intentions, more sleight of hands. Uh, it takes more time. With my dance career starting to build and then I started to work more often. It was probably when I was 25, 24. So this is before when I went to Ibiza, which is like, I did my first job with Pharrell Williams in the British Awards. That's when everything kind of started, when I, they put me into like agencies. So the agencies came and told me, oh, do you want to be part of it? Blah, blah, blah. And obviously like meeting people and slowly working, working more and more and more, being everywhere. <laughs> and with magic, once I was part of those agents, I just decided, I think with social media, when Facebook was going on and everything, I started to post videos on Facebook and my friends from dance, they were like, oh my God, you do magic. <laughs> so I never thought about working as a magician here in London, but all of a sudden, I don't know, I started mixing magic and dance because for me, it's obviously easier than me talking through a whole routine, blah, blah, blah. And also I said once I was feeling more comfortable talking in, in English, I could perform more magic. And slowly I was getting more jobs as a magician. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, again I feel like it was more unique me mixing magic and movement together so any any jobs as a like hand model that need a sleight of hands that I will do that or like more for advertising 
also like corporate events. Um, but basically my career as a magician kind of exploded four years ago. Amazing. Everybody should check it out if they haven't seen any of your stuff. Because yeah, the combination of dance and movement it makes you unique. Because <laughs> like, cause like I think like Darren Brown, part of his appeal is like the way he talks. Mm -hmm. For you, it's choreography and your movement. That's what like is your signature that makes you just different than a lot of others. Yeah, like I love I love everything visual and and this is true because I I struggle I just struggle to express like expressing myself and I'm like why do I struggle so much and then I'm like of course because you dedicated your entire life to dancing I didn't go to university so I I didn't have to present anything talking or whatever so I'm like anytime I have to now do something do some magic for like stage I'm like, oh my god I'm freaking out because obviously I have to create a script and it's a completely different story than what I do for close-up magic is different when when do like a walkabout it's different because I think if you can jam with people is more you know human base you can just I like to joke around with others and to have fun with them than be super serious and like super stage, like talking ladies and gentlemen, like that's not me. Right, right. <laughs> so that's yeah. why. But anyway, everything like I want to learn it and I want to I want to be good at it as well. So that's why. But at the moment, that's kind of my speciality to do like my niche. And magic and movement. Amazing. Okay. Could you describe your demographics for us? <laughs> say it in Spanish. <laughs> Sorry. A la mujer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, would you say female? Female, 30, Spanish. Then you sort of touched on this, but your education. So, and I guess it's a little bit different than the United States, but you were in high school, I'll say, until 19. And then at 19, you went to a conservatory? So obviously, like I finished my whole studies at, um, yeah, until you finish on 18. Yeah, same here. Like you have like your optional ones if you want to study or not, but I did it. Like I basically, I didn't go to university. Like I didn't do a degree. I went to a conservatoire, but I didn't finish. I just did one year in Madrid. Basically, it was like ballet, flamenco, contemporary, and bolera. But that's like something Spanish. And then when I went to London, I did like something that you will do access diploma, something like that here in London called Lucian College, which is one year. That's what you will need to go to a university. But I didn't do it. I didn't have the money. Ah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. Um, so your creative personality, what is a live event that you like to experience as an audience member? Nothing that comes to my mind at the moment, but the, the shows that I really loved is probably, you know, in America, it's called Fuerza Bruta. Yeah. It's an yes. amazing show. Uh, yeah, it ran for like a long time here off Broadway. Yeah, yeah, it's quite, it's quite like old school, but I think it's, it's amazing because it's kind of, for my knowledge, it's the first one that it was very um, dynamic and that you can take part of it. Immersive, Like it was yeah. everything, yeah, immersive, there you go. It was amazing. It came, they came to London. I was like, wow, that is incredible. Like everything happened. I don't know, something coming out from the ceiling, going down and everything happening around you. Also, I want to see Secret Cinema. I didn't have the chance. I auditioned for them. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I auditioned for The Strangest Things for them. So whatever theme it is, you have to dress of the theme and they don't tell you where you have to go until 24 hours before. And then you are part of the movie. So super cool. But I really want to take part of it. The only thing, I don't like really to do like like fancy costumes. I don't, I don't like to dress up like that. That's the only thing that kind of stopped me. I'm like, I don't want to do all this stuff. 
Okay, uh, what is a piece of art that you like? I mean, I love anything to do with Frida Kahlo. <laughs> As well, there's a project uh, that I did recently. I don't know how to say it in English. Renaissance? Renacimiento? Renaissance. Renaissance. <laughs> yeah, I love any any single, like, Miguel Angel. Michelangelo. Michelangelo, yeah. I like that. I know I'm completely the opposite on this, really. My videos on Instagram, everything is not as... Uh, it's not like that, but I love, like, I, I love the paintings. I just look, I love the aesthetic of it. I like the sculptures as well. I know I'm not like that, but I love anything to do with it. I'm like, oh, it's just beautiful. On to your financial personality. Are you good or bad with money? I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm good just because it's just the fear of not having money. I don't have any like credit cards or stuff like that because of that reason. Um, and I think just my parents always has kind of tell me, if you need money, ask me. It's not like, not like I'm rich, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but like, it's just, it's just so, because they know, they don't want me to basically own any money that maybe I cannot afford to be in debt, so. Right, yeah. So that sort of answers this next question, which is growing up, did you have good financial examples? My father was, I mean, he's retired now, but he's uh he was the director of a little bank in a little village from Palencia, which is a small city. <laughs> so, so everything is very little. It's not like he, he had an amazing job. I mean, he, he had a good job, but he knew what is obviously to have savings and all. So he was always giving me money. You're like, okay, this needs to last you this amount of time. And I might spend it. And I'll be like, mom, I need money. <laughs> and she will give me cash in hand. <laughs> yeah, but it was very cute because he would give me an account. And he's like, oh, now you have your own account. Obviously, he could manage it, you know. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have to worry about anything. My father will do everything. He's like, okay, I do this, this, this. No, I transfer this because it has to have interest. And he knew everything. So I was like, okay, I, I just wait. And he's like, no, you need this. I mean, he didn't, like, teach me much stuff. He was just telling me kind of what to do. And, and like, for example, my brother was, he's always the responsible one because he's older. He always saved money. And, yeah, I was maybe the one who will spend more money. But reasonably, no, never like, oh, my God, I'm poor completely. No. Just because I'm curious, do you have one brother? Like, it's just you and your brother? Yeah. Is three more years than me. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Um, okay, so I think you already said no to this, but do you have any debts outstanding? Uh, no, and I hope never had. Nice. <laughs> no, like, I just, I don't like to, as I said, like, yeah, I don't like to have a credit card or even though, obviously, like, student loans. No, because I didn't, first of all, I didn't know that I could have them. Yeah. <laughs> and secondly, once I knew, I was like, hell no. Right, yes. <laughs> I was like, no, because it, like I always believed that I could, I could learn by myself. Like I was like, you know what? Well, I have the discipline to to do what I want to. So I'm like, I'm gonna schedule myself to go to these dropping classes and spend that money in what I want to. Yeah, I just didn't want to be for three years in in there because I I wanted to learn a lot of stuff. So and also it was a lot of money. It was like nine thousand pounds. Like I don't by then nine thousand pounds for me it'll be millions. I was like, what? I don't, I don't even have a hundred pounds in my account. <laughs> it was a lot. So I'm just a little curious with the credit cards, because actually there have been a number of people on this podcast who don't have credit cards. Um, but you're the first non-USA person <laughs> to not have <laughs> credit cards. So you just do cash 
for everything or bank transfer? Like you just don't have a credit card. I just, yeah, I just don't spend the money if I don't have it. I love that. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've got friends who has credit card and they're like, so how do you pay things? I'm like, I don't, I don't buy if I don't have the money. So I'm like, imagine if I spend some money that I don't have, but then I don't earn the money. So I'm like, what? Like, it's just, it gives me anxiety. (laughs) Because like, like, it's very interesting what you're saying, because I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a, a culture thing. Be like, so how do you buy things? I'm like, so if I don't work, I don't buy. Because <laughs> like, obviously, for example, with this pandemic, it's crazy, right? Uh, with this pandemic, I had to kind of ask money with my parents, which is very embarrassing. But it's just, it's, it's very bad for everyone. Um, and obviously, like government help and benefits and things like that. Um, but never, I always kind of try to live in the minimals but good like for example I don't buy clothes for myself every day I do it every six months I I rather to buy good clothes that like for example shitty clothes that goes bad so just to make sure again for example as a dancer you make sure you have to look good so you kind of have to invest a little bit more on those things um but it's always kind of I don't know like for example, I always worked in a bar for like 30 hours in a bar. And then I had a little gigs, that will be cash in hand. So obviously you don't have to declare that. But here in London, when you're self-employed, if you don't earn such amount of money as a self-employed, you don't have to pay taxes. So by then, I didn't have to pay as much taxes. So it was, it was nothing. Now that I work more often, obviously that, that I work as a magician, as a dancer as well, now it's different. <laughs> Now, whatever I buy, it goes for expenses. So it's good. Anything for my clothes, I'm like, oh, that's for my show. Or magic, oh, this is for my show too. Anything in uh, is expense, so it's very good. But yeah, no, it, it scares me, the, the credit card. I think it's good if you're for, like, for your credit things. Like if you want to have a mortgage, it's good, right? So maybe I will have to do that. Yeah. But I've learned from talking to people on this podcast is that if you don't have a credit card, you can build credit in like six months or a year. So if you want to buy a house, well, first of all, if you have cash, you can just buy it. (laughs) (laughs) But if you don't and you're like, I don't have any credit. So what you do is you like find a credit card company and you give them a thousand dollars and then they say, "Okay, so you have a thousand dollar credit limit. It's called secured credit. And then you hold that for six months. And then at the six months, if you've done everything right, a.k.a. not spend a bunch of money, they give you the $1,000 back and you now have good credit. Oh. So it's like as simple. I mean, I, I'm no expert and talk to your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I mean, he knows whatever is in Spain, though. It might work differently here. Sometimes people are like, well, but you need good credit. And it's like, eh, you don't really. Like, you know, and, and if you do need it, you'll figure out how to get it. Yeah, I so. guess. I guess if... I don't know, like <clears throat> whatever, whatever you're going to spend, you do in your credit card, but then you put it back. I don't know. It, for me, it just give me a headache. I'm like, what? I'm like, wait, and I have to remember to put it back. <laughs> I'm like, imagine, that, imagine if I got the money, but I forget about it now. <laughs> no, maybe I think maybe once I have like more savings than what I have now, and looking for a mortgage, I think that's something that obviously you want to look at. 
for the future. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's also really good that you don't have one and you're just like, well, I just, if I have money, then I can spend it. I, and I think that's really good because I was reading like steps to get financially secure. And there's somebody who says, okay, well, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, save up enough money. So that way you're one month ahead. So that like when you get a paycheck, that money then sits there for a month because you're using the money you already had. So like you're not relying on the paycheck coming in. And I feel like with you and the credit card thing, it's like, yeah, I'm only going to use the money that I already have in here, not the money that's like doesn't exist. Yeah, kind of for me is basically I put it all in the savings and I just I just transfer whatever I might need for the day or for the next day. But I oh, obviously make sure that the job that I am in is going to pay my rent. <laughs> And then, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. If I don't, have, I don't need a coffee, I just get a coffee from home. Like, it's no, and I'm no, I think the culture, for example, in London, at least what I do, in Spain, do you, you do more social life? But in here, I mean, not now, forget about now, but normal life. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, I go out, but I kind of, for example, with my girlfriend, we split things. So it's even cheaper. <laughs> so if we want to eat something, everything splits. So I'm like, ooh, cheaper. I'm thinking the answer to this is no, but do you worry or think about money on a daily basis? Now, yes. Before, no. So I say, now in the pandemic, yes. Before the pandemic, no. <laughs> it's just, just because um, I lost a lot of money, obviously. And like all my savings went because the pandemic. Because um, obviously I had no work and I had to, to raise my savings because um the benefits were not enough here so and I had no work I had basically like five months of work an entire year hopefully my year before it was very good like super good my best year in my entire life the thing is I had to pay a lot of taxes the money that I saved for the taxes it was less than what I expected so it was more than what I expected so I was like oh so yeah I lost a lot of money this year, so I'm freaking out. But again, for example, even though I'll be like, okay, I still have savings, but not the entire savings that I had before. But we at home, we're not spending money. So like I've got no, I'm not worrying because I don't have to do normal life. Just food and bills. As long as I have for that, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> have you used a budget throughout your life? No. <laughs> if I have a good job and I, I have a lot of money I'll be like ooh I can spend I can buy now a computer but if I set myself a goal I stress myself if I don't get it oh my god I need to get this money for this I never did it like, even though like these people that is like they're gonna put some cash and with that cash they go for holidays we want to do it now with my with my partner but never in my life did it I'm like mm. if I don't have the money I don't go it's, it's really disappointing. Imagine if that job doesn't happen. Imagine you don't get that. No, it's very disappointing. So I'd rather to live the life that I have at the moment and live happier. <laughs> I agree. It's like if you're a freelancer and you go job to job, it's one thing. If you have a steady job where it's like, I always know this money, then you can budget a little better because you're like, well, I know that I'll put $100 from every paycheck into there. But if you don't know when your paychecks are coming, it just makes it harder. Yeah, but even though, like, for example, because I teach spinning, so that can be my, my stable income. 
But anyway, it's not as stable because they can take your classes anytime they want to. For me, nothing really stable because you can just get tired and be like, bye. <laughs> or they can just fire you or I don't know, like something can just happen and you never know. But obviously, yeah, like I can be like, cool. So I feel good because I know I can pay my rent because I got a job. That's that's the good thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm self-employed, but self-employed as well with the spinning. But I know I got, I got stability every month. That's why I'm not worrying about money. That's why. Yeah, I, I don't think I could do it. If I don't have something stable, I think I'll be freaking out every time. I'll be like, oh my God, I don't have. Like, for me, I have to be fine with myself. With like, I can pay my rent and my bills. The rest, I can work it out. Like food, you know, you can always, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you can work it out differently. I like it. Um, uh, what is the best financial decision that you've ever made? I think it's coming to London. Because I believe, I believe, uh, finance is studies is opportunities and is life because it's like um if i wouldn't if i wouldn't make the decision to come to london i don't think i would be able to be to do what i do at the moment like like now i'm in a good final finance position just because i have the career that i have and i build my knowledge and i moved around to meet all these people all these networks speaking in english as well I think that's the best because not buying a car or not buying anything. I'm like, I don't drive. I don't care. <laughs> I can say as well, maybe buying a dog. I have a dog. That's good. That's a thing that the most expensive thing I ever did. <laughs> you can imagine how much is that dog then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I'm a little curious. How do you find work? You are a magician, but you're also a dancer. So like, how does that work for you? So basically as a dancer, I get jobs through agencies. Which obviously you to get to the agency you have to apply for it or audition to get to the agency, which is many people. Um, in London there is many agencies. I know in America at least in LA, I don't know New York, but you as a dancer you just there's exclusivity. You just have to be with one. But in here there is no exclusivity with agencies, so it's basically a little bit of uh, every agent fights for the job basically. <laughs> Instead of instead of the dancer, but um, that's how dance jobs come along. Um, at the moment, I'm not having many dance jobs just because I'm more focusing on on magic. Um, but because of and then magic, I get I get jobs by knowing people, like just talking, just do magic to people. To be honest, and they like, oh, can you do magic to my party? Uh, yeah <laughs> like like that I think that's the best that's the best option and also there is agents for parties for like corporate events which sometimes I get it because I do like a favor to an agent because they need cover last minute blah 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 and yeah as well like my agents like my dance agents will get jobs as um as like hand models that they need someone with good skills with hands so I'm like, oh, magicians can do that. Um, that's what I've mainly been doing, like hand modeling, which is amazing. I love it. Because again, this is like choreographing magic. That's like one of my jobs was Samsung and it was, they wanted me to do magic movements with hands, but not doing magic. So, and I'm like, and it's, it's true. Like, for example, when you see magicians, I mean, there is any type of magicians, to be honest. But like, I like I like to the aesthetic of it. I like it when I do a magic trick that my hands look good, 
that my movements looks elegant. A magician is all your hands. That's kind of, I get it through, through agencies. And now recently I signed out with a manager, which she was my agent before, but it's because I had some situations before in the past, like recently, but some people wanted me to do some TV shows or whatever. And you need a manager for those things because it can be people stealing ideas, you know what I mean? Like random stuff. So you need to cover yourself and you want to use maybe management at least so they can deal with it. So so the the management, that's for magic, right? Yeah, management just for magic. But do they handle like your contracts, like your money? Like is that part of their job too? Yeah, like they will, they will have all the difficult conversations with the client basically. And I just do the job. And if I don't agree with something, I'll talk to the management and I'll say, hey, I don't like this. She will help me with, I say like, okay, I want to work maybe more in this side. What shall we do? Or like have meetings that way. She was my agent before. She would just put me forward to, with jobs. But like, I know her for so many years now that I'm like, oh, let me just give her a chance. She kind of supported me in, in just in a situation I had in conversations that I had with, with two people. I'd rather someone to handle the situation better because sometimes it's like, I don't know, in the artistic industry, people can, if you give an idea, they can steal it already from you. You need a lot of people like NDAs. And sometimes as a talent, you don't want to have those difficult situations. Better the manager that knows those things. And luckily I know her and I'm like, can you please represent me? Thank you. (laughs) So she was okay with it. But yeah, like I always wanted someone I was looking for a management to help me with my career because I was like, as an artist, not just as a magician, because I'm, I see myself more of a, of a product than just like a magician, because that's why I'm like magic and movement together. So yeah, that's kind of my ideal thing now that I want to do. <laughs> All right. So I just want to like recap. So you're not doing much dance now, but you have dance agents who bring you jobs. And then on the magic, you also have agents that bring you jobs but then you also just get the jobs yourself from knowing people. Yeah, I have so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> Anyone who needs me, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Do you file your own taxes? I, I used to because I, I didn't need um, basically an accountant because I wasn't earning as much money and I, it wasn't worth it to pay someone that basically, <laughs> if I didn't have to pay taxes because here in London you have to pay taxes um, if you earn more than 11,000 or 12,000, something like that. Um, but once I was getting more money than that, I was just literally doing it myself apart from last, no, sorry. It was one year that I earned, I don't know how much money and they made an estimate for the next year. And I was like, wait, what? And they basically crashed me. And I was like, okay, I think maybe I did something wrong. And maybe I didn't spend as much as I needed it. And yes, that was right. So <laughs> basically the next, yeah, like it was a lot of things. Like, for example, when you do, um, when you do a job as a, through an agent, for example, you do an advert. So they get obviously 20% commission. So you can, you can declare that 20% commission for your taxes. I didn't know that. So obviously that's the money that you're getting from the job. But yeah. the agent... Is, but you paying an agent, but they taking the money from it. So I was like, oh my God, I didn't know that. So yeah, a lot of stuff that I didn't know that I could expense 
they doing that <laughs> so, <laughs> so since that happened i i got i got accountants that they basically manage a lot of people from musicals yeah. Uh, yeah that's the thing here where like a lot of people who just get out of school or they're like oh i'm not making a lot of money so i'm gonna do my own taxes i know you have to pay for an accountant but they know the rules and they will they will like save you the amount of money that you're gonna pay them i, I think if it's worth it yes I have to pay them like $300, 300 pounds. If I don't have to pay much money of taxes, I wouldn't get it. Like by knowing more or less what you have to, like, I don't know. Imagine you have to pay tax of, imagine you just pay a hundred pounds of taxes because you're doing it as a part-time, you're self-employed. I would not get a freaking accountant. I will have to spend a thousand pounds already. But if it's more, it's worth it because at the end of the day, like for example, next year I will have to spend that. Like this last year, I I earned a lot of money. Like I had a really good year. This year it was bad as hell. So I'm like, surely I don't have to pay any taxes next year, you know? And I have to spend the accountants. I'm not gonna get the accountants next year. I'm like, what do I need it for? I'm gonna have to pay them for what? Do you have a retirement plan? And if so, what does it look like? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I only knew about that when I applied for some jobs. When I stopped working in bars because I was fed up, <laughs> they offered me to work in a spin studio. I was like, do you want to be a spin instructor? I'm like, why not? Let's try. Healthy life. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, they paid me in front of house So because it was uh, through a gym or whatever. It was a big um, company. They had pension plans. Since then, I have no idea. I have to check it out. I actually don't know if I still have the pension plan. Or if it's finished, I don't understand. I might check it out after this call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, here, obviously, I don't know Europe. But <laughs> here, uh, like, once you leave a company, you can usually, like, roll it over. You just have to contact them and say, hey, I have some money. And if it's been, like, a year, they're like, oh, yeah, fill out this form. And you have to roll it over. But you have to roll it over into another retirement account. I mean, you can cash it out, but then you have to pay taxes on it. But the normal thing is to, like, roll it over into your own retirement account. That's that's not them. The other question, I guess, actually, this is a question I have to ask of you, which is, um, is there like a public pension plan in uh, England? Like, is it like part of your taxes go toward retirement? Yeah, I think there is three parts. I, th I think I'm, I'm not sure because when I was getting the pay slips from bars or whatever, it was saying pension and it said national insurance number. It said like to work and and your tax. So obviously, I might have some pension because I worked as, a, as an employee. So all the taxes and everything is is been in there. So I don't know if I'm self-employed. Yeah, yeah. I actually want to go back because I skipped this question because I wasn't sure. But yeah, here we have like em employer work and then like self-employed income. Is most of your income self-employment income? Like you have to pay the taxes for yourself? Yeah. So, so even though if I were to be employed anyway... I would have to pay still, if I, if I come back uh, seven years ago and I am self-employed still, but I'm an employee, I pay taxes through employment, but I also have to pay taxes through self-employed. But it's only depending how much money you're earning on self-employed. And also, you still have to do the taxes, but you might pay or not pay. But you, if you register, you have to do it. If you don't do it, you get fined. Yep, yep. And that's the fun part. 
<laughs> it didn't happen to me, but yeah. I was, I was going to say here, if you make over $400 from self-employment, you have to pay taxes. $400. $400, like zero, basically. <laughs> oh, that's bad. So it's only if you were like had a regular job and like did very little self-employment, you I guess you wouldn't have to. You have to pay taxes here pretty much no matter what. But, but if, you, if you earn more than 400 pounds a year, you have to pay tax. Yep. That's that's as bad as Spain. <laughs> I'm like, in, yeah, in London, you have to, it's 11,000 a year. You have to file the taxes. I'm sure if you're making that little, that like, you don't probably have to pay very much, like a very, very small amount, but you still have to file them. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. But like, for example, even though as an employee, like I was doing some like part-time um, and reception thing and I was earning, what, say 600 pounds. And I wasn't paying any tax, but I was an employee. But I think because I wasn't earning as much money, they were not taxing me. I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, you don't have a retirement plan other than maybe you have a pension of some size somewhere. And maybe you have one through paying taxes. But outside of that, do you invest in anything? Like, do you own property or invest in gold or anything like that or stocks no um this is what there's one thing that because of the pandemic the studio where i work they offer us shares because i didn't have to buy it they're basically paying us on shares the money is not much but hey you never know so it's not like i'm losing money at the end of the day they give it to us they could just not pay us so i was like okay i'll take that (laughs) like i told to my girlfriend about it I was like, if we could have more money, obviously if this pandemic wouldn't happen. We wanted to do like maybe some investment in like maybe buying a house in Spain and do that, like for example, rent it. So it gets paid and then we have it, something like that. But now it kind of everything changes. I don't know. Um, okay, so those stocks from the, it's the spin class place. So that's like stock in the stock market, in the company in the stock market. Like it says, basically, if they if they sell the company for whatever, yeah, I will get some money. Well, let's hope it goes public or whatever it needs to Finger, do. <laughs> freaking cross. I mean, the company is going well, so it's not. They're having close, so they're okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, which job have you had that has been the most financially lucrative? The one I did for Samsung. I did, I did four Samsungs. But one of them, because it was only hand, only hands, they usually don't pay you as much because it's not in your face on it. Obviously, there's no, there's no buyout. But for some reason, it was very good paid. I was like, hey, yes, that agent that got me that job is my manager now. So ah. <laughs> if she got me that, she surely has to be my manager. <laughs> Note to agents, if you want to become somebody's manager, just get them really well-paying jobs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's their job. They have to kind of protect you, right? Also, like another another Samsung job that I did, they didn't say that it was hands only, and I did the job like it was the buyout that I wanted it. The buyout it was three thousand, it wasn't much, but I was there because of the buyout. And then I rock up to the, like I got the job and I rock up there, and they're like, "Oh no, it's only your hands." And I was like, I contacted my agent and I was like, "Hey, they say it's only hands." Is that mean I'm not going to get the money for the buyout? And she's like, wait a minute. <laughs> everything in the email and everything it says, it said the buyout. If you didn't say hands only at all. So no, she got me She got me a good deal after that. She's amazing. So I was like, mm, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's one of, one of the Samsung. Other ones, even though if I was featured, like I did for Rimmel London, it will be like a 3,000, 4,000 pounds. 
you know the main role. You're featured, but you you know the model. You know Cara Delevingne, for example. So obviously not going to pay you so much money. It was many auditions that I did. That will be like 30K, 25K. And I'm like, oh my God, please. But no. But I'm glad I'm glad that it was hands only and it was it was very good pay. But like I think it was like eighteen thousand. It was really good for me. Uh starting to wrap up here. What is financial advice that w- you would give yourself back when you started your career, or would you give another magician and or dancer that's starting out right now? I think as well is just being patient because they will come. I think if you work hard, it will come. Everything will come. And you will get money, you will get the jobs as long as you work harder and you go everywhere and you do everything. Don't spend the money in, in the stupid stuff. I'll say spend the money in whatever is going to give you the knowledge for your career. If you spend the money, I don't know, in going now and then you can't, as a dancer, for example, you can't go to class because you spent the last night. That's going to make you worse than someone else. And that person is going to get the job and you won't get it. So yeah. everything is spiral. <laughs> yep, yep. I love it. What can you and I do to stress the importance of finance and saving to our fellow artists? If you don't have the money for it, don't don't go, don't have credit cards. If you're if you're gonna get shit jobs all the time, you're gonna get tired and you overworked for very little money. If you want to, I don't know, if you want to be a dancer, whatever, work in something else apart from what you do to get your money. So then you're even more excited to do what you want to. So you're like, yes, I can have this money now and I can spend it whatever I want to. And also I'm getting jobs as a dancer or as a magician or whatever. That's awesome. I actually love that. (laughs) Okay, so final questions here. What separates those that become full-time artists or do art full-time from those that either never try to become an artist or who do it for a while and then transition and go do something else? I think the people who does it part-time, they might take it more as a hobby. So they take, because it's like less pressure of getting money out of it. Because once you do it full-time, because obviously the jobs are, they're not constant all the time, right? I mean, if you have a tour, yeah, I don't know. Like For example, tours, you have stuff for six months and then later it's like, oh, what's next? And then they're like, oh, I don't have money or whatever. I don't know. But if you have it kind of as a like on this side, you're not stressing now of not earning money from what you, from your hobby or from your art. That's kind of, I never took the risk to be like, I'm full-time magician. For example, in this pandemic, now I'll be like, I need to earn money. I have to do some shows. Mm, I do not enjoy some shows. I know that it's pressure everywhere and I know, oh, you can't handle pressure while you're here. Not, it's not that. It's like, I don't think you can push creativity. Magician is more of a creator. You, you create your show. It's not like when you get a dance job, you follow, you follow someone, you work with a team. But when you maybe just a magician that wants to create your show, it's more like an entrepreneur, how you say it? Oh, entrepreneur? Yeah. Entrepreneur, yeah. Yeah, yeah so you're more of that. <laughs> As a dancer, is no yes and no. It depends if you're if you're teaching. Maybe yes, you have to kind of find schools to teach or whatever. But like for example, as a magician, I do not enjoy teaching. <laughs> I think you have to be different. Like I, th- I respect a lot, like teaching wise. So different thing is to be a magician and a performer than being a teacher and a magician, like magician teaching whatever. And someone who leave and do something else. I think it's okay because sometimes taste changes, <laughs> right? Like you might like coffee and in five years you might hate it. As long as you enjoy 
100% what you've done. <laughs> Amazing. And also, you will never grow. You, or you might get tired. Like it's, I think sometimes, like, you know, these kids, when they get famous very quick, they just had everything very quick. They're like, what else can I do? I mean, it's depending if it's just like what they do as a hobby. And I'm tired and do something else that's different. But I'm like, I don't know. Like, for example, for me, like I've danced. I could have done more and I could have continued. But I think for me, it's more important now to to focus more on my career as a magician and movement as well. But like more magician than dance for my age. As well for experience, I, I like to do that. It's not like, oh, you're not dancing anymore. <laughs> no, I think dance stays with you your entire life so where can people find out more about you you can find me on instagram mainly on uh, sonia benito also if you want to see my credits like my work and videos or something just my website soniabenito.com and my youtube channel which is behind the magic but it's sonia benito you just go sonia benito find it as well everything the same my youtube channel is more about basically to get to know me better because if you see my instagram you might might have a different opinion than when you see me on youtube if you just see me talking to the camera blah blah, blah and just saying things about life really yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you sonia for giving us your time and chatting with us about all this thank you so much ethan see you soon bye bye that was our interview with sonia benito my takeaway is to approach life with your unique perspective. Great artists combine old techniques in new ways, and to have a solid financial life, you have to combine your income and expenses in a unique way that works for your life. If you enjoyed this interview, please help produce this show for as little as $3 a month. Now in May, I'm actually getting rid of the $3 level, and the lowest level will then be $5. So if you want to get in at $3, get in before May. And also in May, I'm going to take the show every other week. So instead of releasing weekly, we'll be releasing every other week. That is, unless I can get 50 patrons. So if you want to become a patron, do it now before May, and I just may keep doing the show weekly. However, and whenever you choose to support, do that at patreon.com artisticfinance. If becoming a patron isn't for you, please do this instead. Tell one friend about this podcast. That's how most of our listeners have discovered the show, so thank you in advance. The following episode, episode 46.1, will be in Spanish. I invited Miguel Guerra, the comic book illustrator from episode 26, to conduct the interview. If you want to laugh, listen to the first few minutes. You will hear the introduction in which I butcher the Spanish language. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Find more information on our website, artisticfinance.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a rating and review. Artistic Finance is produced in New York City by Nicole and Ethan Steimel. Producing consultant Anne Nygren-Doherty. Graphics and website by Josh Cutler. Music by Chong Liu. Music by Chong Liu.